G'day, you're listening to the Big Breakdown Podcast with Chris Stafford and Harrison Marshall. Take it away, fellas. Hello and welcome along to Season 3 of the Big Breakdown Podcast. It's our review show and we are live. We are live on YouTube. Um, Harrison, how are you? I'm good, thanks, Chris. I'm good. Yeah, now I'm um, just enjoying some sunny times in Yorkshire, which is, uh, which is a rare one. How are you? Yeah, I'm alright, mate. I've been um, I've been pretty nervous about this today. Not gonna lie, the idea of uh, going live does 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 scare me a little bit. But it's uh, it's exciting. It's just, it's just a normal conversation. It's just a normal conversation. Just you and me chatting rugby. We do it all the time. Yeah, no. To be fair, I've been a little bit nervous myself. I don't know who came up with this idea. Definitely, definitely. Person <laughs> got you in all over it. Um, but I suppose, like you just said, that we've 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 done a few of these now. This is the thirtieth episode now and it's been ridiculous how um how well it's actually doing because we were we were not really expecting anyone to um to listen or watch and we've we've we've, uh, we've we've had quite a few go back to previous episodes and listen to this one already yeah well i think when um well i said it plenty of times now when you first uh, first approached me to do a podcast i thought well wow who's actually going to listen um, but then we actually started making some good stuff, and uh, you know, at the start it was just my mum and your mum watching. But now it's it, it's it's kind of grown, you know. Where I think it's we we sat and looked at it, looked at the figures the other day, didn't we? And where we're now listened to in over you know, is it forty countries? Yeah, forty two, I think it was. Uh. Yeah, so <laughs> just to think that you know we're we're you know we're we're listened to globally. You know, we've got you know, an audiences of you know of everywhere, and you know now we're you know. Now, thanks to season three, season three's kind of ex- it's just exploded, isn't it? We've had some stellar guests on that will come on and share some really, really good, really good bits of knowledge. And, you know, now we're we've doubled. We think we doubled our listeners, and now we've got over 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 six thousand total listens. Yeah, yeah, which is ridiculous for, for, for <laughs> what we uh, for what we originally thought. So, I think that's a good little segue into season three because we we've had some had some unbelievable guests on this year, and, and there was a a, a real theme that we wanted to focus on which was this idea of coaching skills and some key sort of attributes that coaches need to really be aware of to, to take into their sessions yeah and I think, I think that's one thing that is one of the main reasons why we've got such good guests is that you know, these are key skills that the top that they're going to be looking at the top end you know in the elite game you know, these are some of the stuff that you know Eddie Jones will be looking at but these are all things that we can apply to to grassroots rugby which is kind of the foundation of why we created this podcast was you know, breaking down what they're doing at the elite end and what we've kind of learned from, from an academic standpoint to to you know to what they're to, to what we're looking at what we're looking at now or how grassroots coaches coaches can really can really benefit from it yeah and ben ryan kind of touched on it is like a lot of the stuff that we've talked about is things that coaches will already be aware of they probably just brand it and communicate it differently you know, so we've we've very much focused in on some of the bit of the the content that we did from from the masters at, at Leeds Beckett. But actually, you know, this is stuff that probably people are aware of. We've just covered each individual section of it in that little bit more detail, just to get an idea of what what some some of the top coaches at the top level are doing. And um, you know, I, I think I've been surprised by some of the guests that we've we've been able to get on. Um, I think it's just probably good to just overview sort of the key. Um, We've called them pillars, haven't we, of, of the coaching skills that we really wanted to look at um, and sort of what that started off. So in the season, we've sort of looked at session objectives, um, activity structure, learner engagement, um, coaching behaviours, um, and then sort of how we reflect and, and on all of each of them and how each of them have an impact on on the session. And what this was taken from was um, sort of a, a model that's used by one of the lecturers here at, at Leeds Becky University from, called Bob Muir on the coach's plan and reflective framework. And this is more sort of a guide that you can be able to use to review your whole session, or it might be able to how you can review a specific moment within a session. So, you know, if you've set your session objectives, but there was a key element or a certain point where it might not have gone to plan, that could either be linked to the practice structure, player engagement, or behaviors that you might have presented them as a coach. So it's sort of a, a, a compass, I suppose, of what you can use to reflect on your sessions but not just on the session but on a on a specific moment as well yeah and i think uh, just just to add to that this whenever i looked at planning sessions now or thinking of a long-term plan this is kind of my my, my go-to diagram that i look at now um because these are such key elements and they're all interlinked so you know we we talk around all of this but 
and we'll break it down as we go through this episode now and in terms of the key bits of knowledge and takeaways from the season. Um, but whenever I think about planning a session, and we, we've learned in this series that planning is, is as important as the learning engagement, the coaching behaviours and the activity structure, um, this, this, I use this to plan, but then I also use it to reflect, which we'll touch on as well towards the end. Um, but it's important that we reflect and plan all four of these key areas and then you know and then and then it just make, it makes it makes the sessions flow easier makes it easier it just it just it's made my life coaching a hell of a lot easier so what we're going to do sort of to structure the review is we're just going to go through each one of them pillars individually so we've got clips from from previous episodes that we've done that feed into each one of them then we'll have a quick chat about what 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 the key learnings were from that um, we'll do that for each of them. We'll talk about sort of reflection in the end. So I think if we jump straight in and um, start with uh, session objectives. So, um, I think it's you know, uh, absolutely critical that at any level, uh, whether it's an Olympic program or a um, Super Rugby Club or a first 15 team, um, that you think about how you want to approach the season and what's important to you and what's not. Um, the challenge really is the process to do that to make it really simple so you can remember and actually make sure you put your energy in the right space at the right time. Um, you know, I think that's the challenge. But if you haven't got that sorted up front, you can kind of amble your way through the year and not really know where you get to. And at the end of it, kind of go, well, do we get there in the year or not? That really is around, you know, the the purpose and expectations, not necessarily of the team, Chris, but of each other. So what what what's the purpose of the team that we we sit in? You know, um, who are we? If you like, what are we? What are we about? What's what's the? What are we prepared to do, not to do, to be successful? What's um, but also expectations around roles, roles and expectations about responsibilities, expectations around behaviours. Um, I think sometimes we we sort of crack on with the the daily doings. And sometimes we forget why why we're there. Think for like think of any other aspect of your planning. Like imagine trying to dump everything you knew about defense in them in a two week window. Like everything, <laughs> like the whole block of it. Like all your like everything just condensed into that's we're gonna nail this. Like a like you wouldn't do the same with theming. So spread it out, thin it out, find when that the moments uh, you kind of want to run. Getting the planning right, but it's also. It's also one of my favorite things to do because you're, you're, you you set your plate your plan in place and that might be for me with say with Fiji it might have been a three year plan because I was there for three years with my I knew my last tournament would be the Olympics if we got there and you put the basic fundamentals in to start with so for me my building blocks were right I know when the tournaments are I know when I can start to then look at where I'm going to make selection. Um, I know when we're going to have our, our then from there we go, right, these are our blocks where we're going to train. And I know that I'm going to use a periodization model where it's kind of four week stress cycles where, you know, they come in and I'll slowly load them until we taper going into a tournament. And so it suddenly becomes this really exciting plan where you fiddle around and move it around, knowing that things will come and throw you off course. Some, uh, some key key messages there from from some of the guests that we've had on, and I think kind of emphasises as you sort of touched on at the start of of this episode was around the importance of planning and setting them objectives for the impact that that has not just on the short term session that we're looking at, but the the, the long term goal as well. And that was definitely something that we spoke about with Tony at the very start of the season, and kind of linked into sort of what Dave Sharkey was saying around how you don't need to sort of dump all your information out in one session you need to be quite tactile in how you do that to get the best out of your players in terms of what they remember and how they implement it yeah i think the biggest kind of takeaway i took from 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 tony's uh, episode and and even a little clip there is the more we can look to front load and get these things planned and and i've got an idea of the structure throughout the season then when it comes to those wet uh, rainy nights you know when we've got to go up and coach, we might have a long day at work, right? I've already done the I've already done the hard work. It's already planned. I know I know when I arrive, this is this this is the theme of the session. And then once you've got the theme of the session, that's when the that's when the rest of it just just, just rolls quite quite easily. Um but I think the kind of key takeaway from that is right, let's plan look in in the summer when you've got a little bit less time and you've got you got your you got your Monday nights or your Tuesday or your Thursday nights free, 
use that time. Let's let, let's front load, let, let preload, let's load everything in the plan. And then when it comes to the season, and you're having maybe having one of those days in which you just you can't be asked. We've all done it as coaches. It's it's it's, it's pissing down with rain. Right, what am I, what am I going to do with them? Well, you've already done it. You already planned what the theme is going to be, and now all of a sudden, you know, you can get up for it. And it's and that's where it's a lot easier. And then you touched on it with Sharky there, with David Sharky. Right, let's spread it out. Let's not dump it all on one. Because like, how much information can we all take in in one session? Not I think that. he touched on. I think he touched on that. It was like three or four. It might have been him or Ben Ryan that, that sort of touched on that. But that one of the key things that I remember Tony talking about way back when we started the season was um, you know the, the coaching bit is the bit that you're meant to enjoy. It's when the bit where you just go out and you can express yourself through through your session, and that's when you can make sure that your behaviours are on point. And you know, session plans are there. Well, season on plans are there to be adaptable and reactive to what comes on. But at the end of the day. Players will sense if you're not actually enjoying that particular moment or that particular session. We all have bad days, but like you say, if you're just doing it off the cuff and making up as you go along, that's going to have more of a detriment to what you're trying to achieve within your coaching than just having something down on a bit of paper that you can use as a reference, use as a guide to then um, maximise what, what you can take away from your sessions. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and I think the last thing just to touch on is that it's not just the tech and tech that we that we can plan. We can plan. We can plan the rest of it as well. We can perhaps we can plan the the theming, for example, we, we touched on with David Sharkey. But then also, like Nigel Redmond said within those clips, there it's well, we can plan of we can plan identity. Like, who are we? What do we want? Now, they're, they're they're key questions that we should all be asking ourselves as coaches. You know, on a personal level, what do I want out of this group? What do I want this person here in terms of where I want to get to? But then also, but. What we're going to do as a club, and this is where you get your key stakeholders involved, right? The committee, the players, and they can be part of that planning. But then ultimately, you as a coach, you've got to decide, right? This year, are we going to go to win the league? Are we going to go for participation? There's no right or wrong answer. It all depends on your your environment. But it's still really, really important that these things are, these things are thought about carefully and planned. And if you do that, if you do that constantly throughout the season, but especially in preseason and front load it, then it makes it. I've seen it. It's really. It's really impacted my coaching. It's made my coaching, it's elevated my coaching. I, I believe. Well, that's that's the Nigel touched on it in his episode when he went to um, was it Basingstoke? I think he said he went to, uh, and he, he sort of said that the, everyone turned around to him and said, we're, "We're not Bath. We're not Bath. No, you're right. We're not. But we can still be the best that we can be for the level that we want to be." And and that's kind of you've you've kind of just hit the nail on the head there around it's engaging everyone else around it because that. That then sets the standard for what you want to do for the rest of the season. That then gives everyone, I suppose, a form of accountability because everyone knows what's expected of them. Everything's out in the open, nothing's hidden, nothing's hiding away. You being clear about what you want to get out of it. But then also, if, if, if then it doesn't align to what you wanted, I mean, you know, you can always revert back to what we spoke about with Phil Davies way back in season two on sort of philosophy, where if it's not what you really wanted, that can be your point to say, well, actually, is this what I want? Do we need to call time? You know, and they're the honest conversations that you can have because at the end of the day, if you're coaching, you want to enjoy it. Yes, well, yeah, but like, like you said, the, the coaching aspect is that's it. That's our chance to enjoy. That's our chance to engage with other people. And and if we want to coach, it's all about being sociable and engaging with people. And when you're out on the pitch, or when you're on the when you're in the clubhouse, that's your chance. That's, that's your chance to to, to to go for it and enjoy it and like, get the planning sorted. Then we can enjoy ourselves, and that's. That's that's what that's all I can that's all that's all I can say on that really. It's just a, a real, um, I'm not saying easy because planning is not easy. It's it does take time, but it's a simple starting point to guide the rest of your season and through being, you know, felt to plan, plan to fail was always something that I got told of very early on. But then it's um, but it's it's a skill in which we can get better at. So the more you look, the more that you try and plan, the more you kind of realise. Well, last time I planned. That didn't work. That was that was dreadful. But this time, I'm going to take. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to do it this way. And there's there's loads of useful tools. There's the episode with Tony Philp and Ben Ryan. They're two good episodes in which they both talk around planning. Which you know they 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 plan in different ways. And you can if you listen back to those episodes, you you hear that. And yeah, so there's, there's, we've learned the way of planning. I know a way of planning for myself. You'll know a way of planning for yourself. But they might be completely different. And they are different. I know that through conversations that you and I have had. Yeah, what works for who in what circumstance and why? That's one of the key messages that we we banged on about in uh, in season one. Amen. Um, Amen. Just just 
just a reminder that if you have got any questions, feel free to, to pop them in the comments box and we'll, we'll write them down. We'll make a note of them and we'll, we'll try and answer them sort of as we go or, or towards the back end. Um, but the, the next bit that we want to sort of move on to is once you've outlined that session objectives is we want to really look at that activity structure. Um, you know, we had both Dan Cottrell and um, Jay Carter come on to talk about activity structure and there was lots of um, stuff there that both of them have shared, which, which, which I think probably helps. We've just got a few clips now to go through um, on, the, on, on activity structure. Uh, when I work with um, independent edu coach education um, and they say, right, we were doing a course with, um, on under eights, under nines. Well, I haven't coached much under eights, under nines recently. So I go onto YouTube, look at under eights, under nines games, try and get a good understanding of what that game looks like. And then say, this is what the game looks like, guys. And this is what you've got to, you've got to focus on. And that, that, really, that really helps. Uh, but also just look at what your players can do now and help them improve a little bit on what they can do already. For me, as a rugby player, as a kid, well, I played rugby up until I think it was 27, the final time that I stopped playing. Um, I gave up a few times. But as a kid, I didn't really like contact. So um, I played first five. So it was a relatively safe place to play if you didn't like contact in those days. Um, but then at training on Tuesday night, the coach would bring the tackle bags in. And I'd run at the tackle bag, man, and I'd smash it and, you know, like pick it up and drop it. And it'd be, my tackle technique would be fine. And then come Saturday, some big dude would run at me and I'd be running the other way. And then Tuesday would roll back around and the coach would go, Jay, your tackling's not very good. Let's get the tackle bags out. But it was the most unrepresented. Of course, I can tackle a pillow. Like, you know, that's nothing like what you're asking me to do on Saturday. And so, and I find golf the same. So the more representative training can become, like I, I, I love rugby and spend a bit of time around rugby coaches and watching. And, and I am fascinated by some of the stuff. I know you can't be full contact all the time. But I think in golf and rugby, the more representative the environment is to the actual game, the higher the learning um, is. And uh, I try my best to use games as much as possible, but I've, I've changed my mind a little bit on that, not in terms of not using games, but trying to make the games more rele relevant to the actual game. Um, and the, the thing where I've, the term which I'm using or thinking about more, more now, is it actually focusing on the internal logic of rugby? Um, I, it, I, I create people who are better decision makers at Sudoku, uh, at crosswords, um, but that's not going to make them better decision makers at rugby. I've got to think about what the game looks like for a rugby player more and more. Excuse? So I'll do, like, thinking about your um, hooker throwing in, like, people that are fascinated with technique, um, I'd say to them, could you hit your target? Like, let's have let's play around today at training and get the number four jumping and you've got to throw it with one hand. Can you hit your target? Or And now you've got to throw it from passing it down here. Can you hit your target? And what you'll find with highly skilled athletes is it actually doesn't matter where they're, what their technique is, they will be able to complete the skill. Obviously, the better technique is, the more likely it is to, um, stand up under pressure that's our belief anyway I challenged a player the other day a professional player uh, she was we we're talking about ways to make more you know ways to make create a bit more pressure in the environment and I said to her and and I find top athletes tend to not shirk the workload right they don't mind putting hours of practice in so you can say to them you know if you don't complete this task then you've got to do 50 press-ups they just go sweet that's good 50 press-ups I'll get better I'll get fitter or if you're doing extra hours putting they'll go sweet I'll just get better at putting I can that's easy so I said to this girl right you've got to um, go out and play and if you miss a green in regulation which is a par four and two shots a par three and one shot and a par five and three shots so first hole is a par four if she misses the green as soon as you miss your first green you have to walk home not from there you have to, that's it, your round is over. So pack your bag up and go home. And it could be nine o'clock in the morning and then you're not allowed to practice for the rest of that day. 
And then you've got learning performance competition, which we explicitly say, guys, this is a learning phase. What does that mean? We can't do it yet, coach. It's all about the commitment and the choice. Great. We're in performance now. What does that look like? Well, we can do it now. We just got to show it in live play. Fantastic. Competition is, which sometimes you wouldn't use this with the more novice or younger teams. Competition is, we're going to really put pressure on you to see if I can catch you out. So there was lots of stuff there from Jay, Dan, um, and, and Mark there, and, and all talking about sort of similar stuff. I mean, one of the key messages sort of I, I took away from, from both our chats with, with Dan and Jay earlier in the season was around this creating your activity structure to be representative to what you're actually going to get within a game. You know, so how do you try and replicate the different types of pressure? How do you create moments in the game that the players can start sort of experiencing that's going to help with their decisions in action yeah um, i think this is where you know, dan was talking around the internal logic there and then when he when he talks around the internal logic that is like how is the game played and like you were touching on it there like how do we improve decision making rugby players well you've got to put them in environments in which they're having to make decisions in rugby you know, like, you know, we can we can play these, and I don't. And there are there's a time and a place to play these multiple games, multi-directional stuff. But you've got to understand that that's not. Like you might be working on a, a specific skill there. I think it got the biggest takeaway from these activity structure stuff is is making it specific to what you want to look at, and that's what you've got to ask yourself when you're planning and when you're delivering. Is this? Am I getting my intended outcome out of this? Well, Jay touched on it in his episode, and I think he sort of cut it out towards the end of that clip there, but he, he talked about that when he, he brought in that constraint with a player around, you've got to hit the green in regulation. That player turned to win. That is the same pressure that I feel in a competition. So she's going into every hall, replicating the same sort of pressure that she was going to take into uh, a competition on, on the tour. So that, that's one of the reasons, you know, I know from my own golf, which isn't particularly very good, the mental side of it is 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 half the battle because you you have that bad shot and it's, it's <laughs> when you stood for the next one if you know that you're going to hit the ball really far to the right off the tee generally you're thinking about hitting it really far right off the tee and you're probably going to copy that action so that that way of it really got me thinking well how do we recreate that pressure in rugby with goal kickers with hookers and we, we did touch on it with jay within that episode about how you could do it and you know jay spoke about you know don't put the pressure on them in that situation, you can maybe put the pressure onto the other players, as in use them as the scapegoat if 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 the technique is going, just to try and replicate some of the pressure that they want to do. And although it's a bit different, it would sort of get the point across, I suppose, of trying to replicate pressure within training without having to flog someone into the ground. Yes, yeah. And then I think, but I think what's really important to bear in mind there, and this is where um, Mark touched on it at the end of that, is that there's going to be three types of learning or training that we need to focus on. One being, you know, we're in a learning environment. That's where, you know, we're, we're not afraid to try things. And we're looking at potentially adjusting technical or tactical issues. Um, then we're in a performance environment. So we're up in the, we're up, we're up in it a little bit there. And then finally that competitive environment. Now, I think Mark touched on it within, within his, within his, um, within his whole episode. And it's probably a really good episode to go back and listen to. Um, I know that you know I've listened to it twice now, and there's still little bits that I pick up even 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 when I go back. Um, but we could we they can be present in every in every session, learning performance competitive. But you've got to just you've got to justify why you're doing it. And actually, is it does it make much sense putting a group of under eights in a competitive environment? It's not, is it? Because you know, they just crumble under the pressure, and that's when we lose players to look to our sport. So right, right, make sure they've got their technical ability. But then, like, if you're if you're in, if you're coming into a men's environment or a women's environment at a senior level, it might be interesting to put them straight into a competitive environment to see which ones are you know to see where you're at. So it's That's bit... but Dan Dan touched on that at the start of the clip as well around how you know what what do underlines rugby look like. So you've got to try and recreate. You're not trying to recreate what they were doing in the full fifteen aside game because it underlines the play. I think nine aside. Just tackle. There's, there's no rook. There's no mall. There's no breakdown. It's just tackle. So you got a whole season to work on the tackle. So it's pointless creating an environment that's going to add more pressure than that because it's not relevant to what they're going to experience in an actual game in competition. So you, 
you know, a Mark's episode. I know one of my uh, one of my mates said that he had to listen to that episode in twenty minute blocks because there was just that much stuff in it. He just had a headache after twenty minutes. He had to stop and then go back and listen to it again because it was. It was just lots of stuff in there. Um, but I think the, the same the same could be said for Jay's episode. So I think you know I went back to uh, and, and preparing for this for this show today. I went back and listened to all the episodes again. Um, so for some of them, it was like the fourth or fifth time editing it as well. And uh, there's there's loads and loads of good little little golden nuggets in Jay's episode around right, how do we coach technical skills when actually sometimes we don't know all the technical elements of it. So I don't know how to goal kick on a technical standpoint, but right, I think the RFU refer to it as a learning pit. Now, right, I can be getting that learning pit with the player and we can work we can devise a way to come out of to come out of it together. And this is where like Dan mentions it, right? I love the fact that Dan was quite open about being a bit of a coaching magpie because we all are. And we go to YouTube. There's resources on there. So, like, if I'm going to work with, say, I'm working with a um, a goal kicker, and I've got ten minutes before a session, right? Let's go and do some goal kicking. But I want to set them outcome based challenges because I'm not 100 percent sure on the technique at the moment. Then I can say to like Chris, say you're my goal kicker, right? Chris, like, you go away, do a bit of research on on goal kicking. I'm going to go away and do a bit of research on goal kicking. That's where we go to YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, everything. Everywhere's got a bit of rugby information now. And then, right next Tuesday when we meet up, we'll spend five minutes going through what we've got, and then we'll and then we'll crack on with it. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's that honesty and it's, it's that trust and that. And then we spoke around it from all of the episodes that we've done. Is understanding who and trust is a big part of that. And like, it's don't be afraid for the player to understand that. Well, I I can coach a scrum, Chris. Give me a scrum all day, but kicking a goal that's where I get a little bit. My understanding isn't as strong, so. Let's not be afraid of telling the player that, but we're going to work this out together. Yeah, problem solve as a team rather than you having to be the the, the fount of our knowledge because you, I've not met anyone coaching yet that says that they are the the fount of our knowledge, and I think that's 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 quite an important bit to take away is, is don't be afraid to have that vulnerability on certain bits of your activity structure because if you've planned well enough, you're going to be prepared for some of them eventualities that are are going to come with it. Um, and that's a nice little bit to take us on to the next part on on learner engagement. And you know, from the feedback that we've had from from Mark's episode alone on learner engagement, there is bits in every episode, but that Mark specifically was on learner engagement. Is there's lots of bits that is actually probably the most important bit of coaching is how do we keep and maintain learner engagement because that essentially is going to dictate a lot of the success of our sessions. So um, we've got some clips now just looking at learner engagement. And the action review process is just a way to increase decision-making within a player, but also it helps a coach have a very effective common language framework to allow them to question a player to, or to get a, a review from a player. And it also allows a coach to identify the source of an issue. So I'll just, I'll just go through them very quickly, but there's loads to them how they pop off. So in essence, as we start with, this is where it links to the rule of three excellence is being the best you can with what you have in the moment so what we're saying there is you have to be present what's the ideal you so am i present now one of the things that can help you be present is scanning the next option is identifying all the options so we've done the scanning what we're looking for is all the options even the ones you can't do yet then what we look at is did you commit so the first question is if i didn't commit I haven't earned the right to review. The first rule is commit. If you don't commit, the answer is you haven't committed. So your conclusion is commit next time. If we commit, then all we're asking them to do is look at how was the choice, how was the execution, separately, not together. So we're not looking at outcome, we're splitting them up. The action based on the action review, hot one-to-one. -one. So the framework is very simple because nothing really changes. The action review can be used all over the place. It's a common language. They're not now running up to you thinking what what is coach going to ask they know what the questions are going to be and it helps them to think we've got the three a's so now we're helping them that interpersonal of accepting and acting on feedback and we've got that rule of three where we're saying well one is being the best you can with what you have two is helping everyone else be the best they can be what would that look like now then you've got agreeing what success is just the one thing you've got the uae's that frame around that so they know what it looks like not just wishy-washy and then you've got learning performance competition with the player first, player last, which may link back to what we're talking about there is the player first, player last is a, is a way of dialogue. So what we want to know is before me sharing information, 
I want the player to go first. So now we've got the action review process, they can start connecting to it. So from that data, I might then step in with some challenges, some questions. What do you mean by that? What if this happens? Have you thought about that? And then player last is, they go last. So what have we agreed? What are you going to do? And then they tell us and we just go, show me. So sometimes it's connecting with when we're having a dialogue, in order to do that effectively, I need to be able to scan well because my data capture will influence how I respond to what that player is sharing with me. So what I've seen with the player, now the players come in and they use an action review process to reflect. And I've been in clubs where players have um, stop sessions. They've, they've put a little structure around it. So a player might have, a team might have been said like, you know, if you're not see the standard of the warm-up at the right level or the first practice as players, you are allowed to stop it and, and intervene. And also I've, I've been at, I've been at clubs where they've marked player, marked coaches afterwards publicly. So they've got in around after the training session and gone, right, what we're given is it. And it's normally two numbers. Either it's not good enough or it's good enough. So like a zero or a 10 and then explain why they've got a zero. Got a zero today because change up change around the 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 different practices too much um you didn't pick up on this player that was moaning too much and we're giving it a zero it might be a 10 because this 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 and this and so that's quite good as well to start to provide a culture where players feel they can speak up and so it's no good just saying look fellas if anything goes wrong on the field or you're seeing some standards that are dropping and jump in and pick it up they won't do that unless they're used to having a culture of being able to do that in meetings, in training, um, influencing, you know, your way day travel, whatever it is, so that they feel, yeah, I can stop it. It's not good enough. Um, so it's definitely the way forward as coaches to allow that and to know when players aren't feeling what you're feeling and, and to accept it and to change it, because then that will give trust and ownership. And then we all know that leads to better behaviours and better performance. Some some great stuff there, and uh, what was a shame was during that clip, everyone missed Harrison get attacked by his uh, by his dog during that. <laughs> it's quite entertaining to uh, to listen to, but there was lots of stuff there, and I think Mark kind of um, you know there's a lot of stuff there from Mark, and I think that kind of goes back to what I said to about my uh, my mate that to watch it in twenty minute intervals because there is there's so much that Mark talks about there, um, and then Ben kind of actually summarised it quite. Well, at the end of what that actually could look like within uh, an elite environment, but you know, what, one of the key things that I kind of took away from 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 Mark was the, you know, excellence is in the presence. So, but how do we sort of drive everyone up where we are? So we're pushing ourselves, but also pushing everyone else around us, and that they they understand how to support players to get to that point. It's not just coach led. Yes, I think listening back to that episode, he refers to some of them as ninjas, doesn't he? Um, around how, how can we use other players who have you know, social influence like, you know, there are probably some players that don't get along with a coach but we can still have an impact on them by using the key social influences on the pitch um, within our squad So you know, they're coming, that's where we look to empower and, and it goes back to like I said it already in this episode, this episode but every episode we talk about understanding who and right, there are, the peer, we don't, if we don't have anyone to coach we can't coach, ultimately. And I think we're seeing more and more, the modern trend is, is that players want to feel included in every part of the process. And like Ben touched on it there, right? giving them that, giving them the ability to feedback on how they think the session went as a whole, not just in terms of our coaching, but as a whole, did we pick up on, on those kind of negative things that we, we already pre-agreed that we were, we were going to call out? Um, you know, I think... You know, get, Given the, given, the, given the players the power to have that control, and then ultimately the, the player first, player last is something that I've implemented almost immediately after that podcast. And and just holding the players up to account to what they've what they've said means they've not got a, they've not got a foot to stand on if they want to if they want to argue back or disagree because they've said it. Right, they're going to do this. Go and prove it. Show us. I think Mark touched on it a lot. He does it a lot on Twitter as well around one of the, the key skills that, that, that sort of he has around this idea of learner engagement is the coach being able to scan. And it's it's not just scanning the tech and tack that you want to look for is, are you observing if a player's learner engagement drops off and do you have a potential strategy in place to try and 
re-engage with that player to bring them back up. And that goes back to what you said around that understanding of the who, because you would then hopefully, again, we touched on it with uh, Richard Smith all the way back in season two, around actually the knowing of people. If you've had them 10-minute short conversations with players before a session to get an idea, a, a deeper understanding of, their, of, of them and what makes them tick, that could help you be able to identify that their engagement's dropped off. And then actually, what do we need to do? What processes do we need to put in place to drive them back up and get them more engaged within the session? Rather than what, what probably could happen and probably happens in most environments is where you see someone dropping off, you think that they're not interested. Well, actually, it could be something, this is where we use the compass, the the, the coaches plan and the framework to help with that, to right, okay, this player's engagement dropped. Why is it dropped off? Is it the activity structure or is it something else? But we know that through understanding the player. Kind of ramble then. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Well, no, I think you touched on some good points there, and actually, it goes back to if we make the players feel empowered, that means they'll have the confidence to come and say to say to us as, as coaches, right? Oh, today, Chris, I'm just well, it's been tough at work today, or I've had a tough day at school. Uh, I might drop in and out of the session, and then you've got the understanding that you now know that that player, right? There's there's other things on his mind. So if he does just fall out of favour, then it's not let's not just get be hard on him. Right, let's be understanding and we can be supportive to build them up so they do come away from that environment thinking, well, I have enjoyed myself over in this last hour and I've come away learning and talking with, with people they got on with. Yeah, um, and, and another thing that I think this would... I've said it, you know, whenever I've gone in and observed a coaching session or watched a coach and I guarantee that what will be written on the end of my paper by the end of that session is activity structure versus talk time. And how you know we bring them all in all the time to have a conversation about what's happening. And one of the things Mark touched on was this idea of a common language, is where they know what's coming. So you can then make sure that your play is higher than your talk time. Because we do, we get into the point as as happens when we do this and we do our review, is we we end up talking, we end up sort of going on about stuff. And you actually don't realise sometimes how often you just stood in a circle where the players are listening to you. Um so actually having that common language and a structure in place for your review just allows you to keep them active quicker, keep them in with you less because the message in the breakout bits is the same, the common language is the same, therefore they can give each other feedback quicker, react quicker, and you can spend less time giving them coach information, it can be all player-led. Yeah, spot on, so I can, like, if a game's going on, I can pull a player across straight away and do that and do that hot review like he, like he spoke around, but I can say to him, like, what are you seeing there? And if they, if they have an understanding and they know what questions are coming, that means that process is sped up a lot quicker and if you, even Mark, if they, Mark, and if, Mark, sorry, Mark touched on it on the behaviours, isn't it? Through the acceptable, unacceptable, and exceptional, and that's what he shaped his questions around. Is what is the behaviour that we're looking for here? Yeah, and well, you can say, oh, well, why do you not think we've done it? And it's quick fist bump back in the game. Well, yeah, but even even when it's like when you ask that question, right? Did you commit? And they say no, then it's right, get back in the game, and then we'll think about what I'm going to ask you, and then you, then they'll pull them out ten, fifteen, well, it might be five minutes later, and it answers that same questions. Did you commit to that? And if the answer is no again, off you go again. Right. Yeah, and I and I love and I love that philosophy. I love that ideology around it because, you know, like players even at the top level don't have the complete skill set. Not many players have the complete skill set. So let's be confident and and let's understand that. Right, we're in a say if we're in a learning environment here. We're in the learning part of the session. That's where we're confident to try things that actually. Right, I've not really got, I've not got a very good left hand pass, but I want to try it here. And I'm going to ask you, right, Chris, did you commit to it? And if you say yes, then that's where we can start talking. Maybe we can go into a breakout and look at left-hand passing. Maybe I'll give you a challenge where I want to see five left-hand passes over 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 five meters, and that's where that's where you start building that that technical and tactical approach. Yeah, no, no, it is. It's it's all just. Uh, it goes back to what you just said. It's all about understanding your hill and having that common framework around it to to be able to to get the best out. And that old phrase of of less is more sometimes. Um, you know, you don't need to do do lots. And, and Ben touched on it in his episode is that with every environment that he's been in, his objective is to make himself redundant. And if you start implementing some of the stuff that Mark talks about, you sort of going down to that freight, uh, process where the players are becoming more responsible. Therefore, let them crack on. That kind of brings us nicely onto the sort of the next bit around coach behaviours, which is I think I think it's the longer video, I think, isn't it? But I think this is also the important one because how we act and how we portray ourselves, how we behave is actually fundamentally a big influencer on the sessions that we have. So we've just got some clips now from from, from some of the episodes where we've touched on learner engagement. Uh, coaching behaviours. Coaching behaviours, that's the one. 
suppose in a nutshell, coaching behaviours, it's about understanding that we have these interactions with other people and every interaction that we have has um, an impact on them. It, it causes something to happen. And it's being aware of these. And in our coaching space, it's about how we might give instruction and what type of instruction that we're giving them. So is it going to be technical information? Is it going to be tactical information? Um, is it how we get across uh, a key point to somebody? So how we might give a demonstration and who might give that demonstration? And it's, it's working out the best way of creating that healthy interaction um, where a performer would develop and be stimulated to look about um, something called dynamical systems. And each, each person is a dynamical system. There's so much going on with this, this system. Um, and what we need to do is try and understand as much about the other person as possible. It's about building relationships to the point where you know how to act with a certain person and what to say to them and when and be able to read you know their feelings their moods you know their situation so yeah it's a massive it, it's massive um if we're looking to get success out of any coaching have you have you read the book um upstream no, no. so it's um it's a it's two brothers and I, like, I tell this story i don't tell it very well but the whole book is really around the principle that um i don't know like say you and me harrison are, are walking down the river and we see a kid in the river and you dive in to save the kid and um haul him back to the bank and, and i'm like oh harrison good work mate that that saved that kid and then as you turn around you see actually there's another kid floating down the river so in you go again and dive and uh, go and get that kid and as you're seeing as you're seeing the kids come closer to go and gr grab and save you see me just disappearing off wandering upstream you're like, Ben, where are you going? You got, you know, I can see another kid coming down. You got to help me out here. It's like, I'm, I'm going upstream to find out who threw the kids in. Um, and that's where the, that's where the principle of upstream and downstream comes in. Don't always look at the origin. Sometimes, you know, uh, sorry, don't always look at in Fijian terms, look at the waterfall, look at where the origin is. Um, because often what somebody's showing you in front is, is, you know, it's a reaction to something way upstream that you need to understand. There's a couple of there's a couple of quotes which go this. There's a there's a great quote from Wilfred Bion, which is the, the, the you know the most powerful form of listening is the ability to listen without history or desire. So can you can you engage with somebody and not feel that you've heard it all before, or not feel that yeah 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 I know who I'm speaking to and uh, you know it's but just be present and listen and, and without desire. So not trying to question or, or to push the conversation in any particular way, like you referred to with Clough around, yeah, you'll speak, I'll speak, and then we'll both think that I'm right. And then the lowest form of listening is waiting to speak, you know, which is, which again is, I'm not actually listening to you. I've got something on my mind and I want to say it. But that, that ability to actually be present, listen, actually pick up on their words, the person you're talking to, either rephrase, paraphrase, ask questions then around understanding more, ask questions for awareness, questions, you know, just to, to, to explore, to be curious. And again, feed off the answer so they, the person understands that you're truly listening. And, you know, the, the art of pure coaching is the ability to listen and ask questions, not to direct, not to tell, not to give advice, but in order to ask questions to help the coachee then you have to first be present and listen to what they've got to say player performance and what impact does that have on on the player's confidence or their perception of their ability moving forward so um you know a really simple example would be uh, a review model uh three up three down so when a coach reviews something with a player it's easy to fall into the trap of only going through what went wrong what they need to improve on the negatives um, and just generally speaking in psychological terms, bad is more powerful than good. So if all we're doing is the negatives, then of course players are going to feel like their confidence is being eroded. Their coach doesn't believe in them. But if you go after performance, here are three things you did really, really well. 
How did you do those? How can we keep doing more of that? And then the other half of the review is here are three things we need to see improvement on. How can you improve on those? What do you need to be doing this week so that they're improved for next weekend? There's, uh, there's two things I took away from from that. The first one being I forgot how hungover I was for uh, for Neil's episode because I'm not particularly great in that video. And two, I'm I'm always recording at work because I'm always wearing the same stuff. I do own the clothes <laughs> <laughs> just to make people aware of that. Just I'm, uh, which is easier to record at work than it is at home. So let's just clarify that first of all before we even get started into some of the stuff that we spoke about. But there was lots of stuff there because behaviours has a massive impact on. On our set, on our coaching, how we are, how we behave, can have a massive um, knock-on effect on on learner engagement, which can then impact on our activity structure and then our ability to actually hit our objectives. And you know, Neil touched on it in a way that I never expected. Really, in the conversation, was on this idea of the you know dynamical systems that people are a dynamical system and they change and they move and their feelings change, and, and we have to kind of react and, and move to that as well as coaches and be aware of that. Um, because that can then shape how we behave to whether that's giving them tech info, tacking up for, um, or, or giving praise or general instruction. Yes, anyway, it certainly is. And I think um, the reason why probably uh, coaching behaviors was the longest video is because I think I'd almost argue that it's the most important out of all of them. Um, only because it's, it can underpin or undermine a session. But like we could have the best activity structure planned, or we could have the best technical, the best tactical knowledge. But if we're not good at getting that information across and, and actually understanding our participants, understanding what makes them tick, and then how we communicate and how we are with them, then then it can throw it well out the window. You could be like we've all be, we've all been at school in which I remember uh, having a chemistry teacher um, back in back in there and he was probably the most professor um professor ray his name was and um he was south african and he was the most knowledgeable person around chemistry i'd ever i'd ever come across but because he just c he couldn't connect with any of us as students on 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 our level it was when we just it was an awful teacher and i never got anything out of those lessons well, well, I did because I was I was scrupulous and I was really I studied hard and I'm a very knowledgeable young lad. Um, but in terms of teaching, he was <laughs> he was dreadful. But he was very he was very smart. But that's not what I'm saying. Your behaviours of what you exhibit and what you show to the players is the most important thing in coaching. I think anyway. No, I agree. But I also on that is that we're never going to turn up and always meet our best. I don't think that's 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 what we're saying. I think the the key thing for this coaching behaviors and why the tool is useful is because you can then be aware more of your behaviors and the, and if you are you know if you have had a bit of a bad weekend or a you know you've been on the piss the night before and you've got to go and do a recording with Neil Holmes and you kind of just merge into the background and let Harrison and Neil take the lead on it. You, you know you got to be aware of your own if you are having that bad day and that's sometimes where you just need to pass the responsibility over to your, your co-coach and how you work but it's all about being aware it's all about that self-awareness but then also the awareness of understanding your people so i think the, 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 that if anything you've got to go back and listen to, to neil's episode and then also but go back and listen to the episode of richard smith in season two on people because they richard summed it up perfectly about the importance of knowing your players and the impact that you can then have on them broader speaking um, I think Nigel touched on a really important point in terms of which brings it all together in how we communicate because it's not just sort of our um, the, the, there is that bit of our how verbal how we communicate with each other and you know how you need to be able to communicate with sort of without history or design I think it was that he said wasn't it so you know and, and what that means to you know you've got to be able to speak in in what you're witnessing and what you're seeing and speak freely around that and be, have them open and honest conversations, but in a way that's respectful and um, respectful. Quite a key one. <laughs> We've got to listen. I think that's. Listen, I think yeah. people for people forget that listening is well, communication is a two way thing. It's it's talking and how we present as our body language, but also how we receive information. And right, if I just if I'm quite dismissive of a player because I've already got the I'm, I'm already thinking of the next thing ahead, then. It goes out the window. It, like, that player's all, all of a sudden he's had a bad interaction with me, 
and that's what that's what sticks with them. And like like Jack said, like we, people, players remember the bad, or even us as coaches, us as human beings, we remember the bad stuff more than we remember the good stuff. So that one bad interaction, that player's gone away thinking, oh, look who doesn't like me today. Well, actually, no, 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 I'm just I might be preoccupied ahead, but that's why we've got to be present. We've got to be present. We've got to listen. We've got to really take on board what's being said and, and what kind of questions we're asking. Because if we have that bad interaction, that's where it can snowball, and that's where, like, like, like Neil says, we're dealing with dynamical systems. And touching back on what you said a little bit previously, there, I think um, Dan, Dan Abraham's touched on it quite nicely in season in season two around understanding ourselves. Now, Richard Smith talked about understanding the participant, understanding the learner, but understanding ourselves is is as important. And and Neil touched on it in his episode around right, we're just actors or actresses, but we've got to have what Dan's background, coach face. Can we put on a positive face? Because our coaching behaviours are, are, are is, is every single interaction we have with a player. And that could be three days before when we send them a WhatsApp asking them to bring a water bottle. But right when we step when we're when we're face to face, we've got to be positive. We've got to have we've got to think about what we want to get out of the session and how we're going to portray and get that out. And that's where we talk about coach face. And I think Danny Brown talked around the Ewan clock, didn't he? Um Happy, energetic, energetic clock, and that was, that's what got him going. Yeah, it was uh, his his coach phase. <clears throat> but even Ben's stuff, and I've just ordered that that upstream book that he sort of referenced to have a read when I'm on holiday next week. But you know, another, like, another, another holiday, another holiday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Podcast paid too well, mate. Um... <laughs> <laughs> You've got to share it then. I mean, you got to share it. Yeah, well, yeah awkward. Um, but just being aware of the origin of you know don't just look at the waterfall look at where it where it's where it's coming from so you know yeah you're diving in and saving the kids but what knobheads throwing them in <laughs> you need to try and work work that out as that's, that's yeah. what the story that men describe isn't it so but that's it even you know it's so eloquently like, put <laughs> no I power phrased but it, it, it's that bit of actually it goes back to learner engagement and what we spoke about already is how well, what is the origin for the reason that their learner engagements come off is it me is it something i've said um because he touched on it um who else touched on it with the stuff about the haircut um what episode no, was that? Jack Gooding. that was Jack Gooding. yeah back with the culture one where you know he made a comment about a player's haircut and that then had a knock-on effect to that player's engagement within the session so that was him creating what he thought was a banter or joke that then resulted in a negative impact that was the origin of why that player's learner engagement dropped off. So we've got to be aware of all this as we go into our sessions and the overall impact that we can have on that. Yeah, uh, uh, one 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 hundred percent, and you know, and just us being self-aware of ourselves and and how we and how we get information across is is I think it, it's it, it's so it's so 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 important. That brings us on to reflection. And, and I think that was, again, another thing that, that Mark spoke about a lot is sort of how we reflect sort of in the moment, but then also post sessions with our hot reviews and our ability to reflect openly and honestly with ourselves about the session. And a very a very British thing to do is to think of the bad things that happened within that session, isn't it? When actually we need to look at the whole process, actually what went well, what didn't go well, what can we do better? and. Um, I, definitely as we were prepping for the, the last game of the season here that's something in terms of the hot review that, that I brought in with the coaches we were working with with that team of actually we reflect straight away in the moment and then we come back the next day and chat about it and talk about well actually on reflection I've said this but actually I've thought about it a little bit more and I think maybe I was a little bit harsh here we need to maybe look at this bit instead and that worked quite well because we, we found ourselves having more open and honest conversations about what we were delivering and what we were working towards yeah, well, it's like it's like what Ben said, isn't it? Right, if you're a, if you're a football manager and you've just lost last last goal of the last minute, are you going to go into the change room and ask the open honest question of, what well, what happened there, or are you going to duck duck away and not answer it, uh, not go and ask it because you're too too afraid for the answer? So, you know, those hot reviews in emotions they do bring up pure honesty, whether it's 100 percent accurate or not. That's 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 for us to. to to chew the fat over, but it, it, it at least gives you the foundation to have a cold review and discuss that. I think what's really important is that, that we talk around these four pillars of you know, session objectives, activity structure, learning engagement, and coaching behaviours. It's really important that we reflect on all of them, but with the understanding that they're all interlinked. They're not 
we we reflect on them on separate uh, separate identities, but we should all have that understanding that they're all interlinked. And actually, learning on case might be might be down. Why? Ah, oh, because of my coaching behaviours, or because of the practice design wasn't quite good enough to that in that day. And, and that's being honest with you. And if you've got co-coaches, you've got to be honest with your co-coaches. And then if you're on your own, you've got to be honest with yourself, right? It's it's never it's not always going to be perfect. You know, we're human beings; we make mistakes. So, but it's, it's it's being honest and then learning from that from that honesty, and that's how we can all become better coaches. Well, you've used the description before in the past, haven't you? Around how you know you like coaching in the fog, and this is used as your compass to find your way around and make sure that what you're delivering is is at that the, the level and standard that you want, and for you to get better. You know, it's the the only way that you're going to develop and improve within your coaching is is through actually reflecting and re- reflecting honestly. And you know, if no one is that that perfect coach, I'm sure Pep Guardiola has points that he knows at the end of a session that he might think that he could have done better. I'm making an assumption there, but you know, there is that point where you need to reflect honestly with yourself, and and that comes through the relationship that you've got with your players and your um, core coach as well. Because Ben touched on it around just grading from not to ten, didn't we? Just and where you grade and you give feedback why, and it's anonymous. Like so many coaches feel so much vulnerability doing that but actually that's the only way that you get an idea of where you're at yeah well they're the players are almost your customers they are they are what you look out for what you look after and they are basically the tools of your box that you use to get the club to where it wants to get to yeah, and and we've got to be you've got to be comfortable to to take that on board, but also, you know, you've got to be com- you've got to be comfortable with the answers that come in, because I know I know a few coaches before that have gone right. I'm going to do more reflection. I'm going to ask players their opinions of what's going on, and then they've been really not happy with the responses that they've got, just to flat out ignore them. So you know, you, if you're going to take the reflection, you've got to be able to to take it on the chin as well, and you know, act on it. Yes. Oh, one hundred percent. One hundred percent. And um, yeah, I think um, I think I was on an RFU course the other week, and they said you've got to be you could be able to take one on the nose sometimes um, in boxing. They take it on the nose, but that means that my guard wasn't quite up, and I'm gonna it won't, I won't let it happen again. That's surrounding you by people that are going to be willing to challenge you as well. You know, you don't always want yes people you want people that are going to push each other and, and for me that's that's a positive working environment yeah but then trust as well make sure you trust that they've got your best interests as well as their best interests and that's what um nigel redmond spoke about with the um trust was a key you know the, the five dysfunctions of a team is trust was one of the key ones because if you've not got trust you're going to struggle to um gain that high performance because if you've not got that trust you're not going to challenge you're not going to have that confidence in conflict and the best teams are comfortable in conflict yeah. I read that book on my last holiday. <laughs> <laughs> um, what, what's the key, what's the, what's the biggest thing you take away from this season, Arsenal? Um, I think like all the guests that we've had on, it's there's lots of similarities within that. And actually, I think we were, I don't know, I think the biggest thing that I took away, was, I think I was probably a little bit naive at the start that we could easily break down these pillars into four key areas, but actually that's a load of rubbish. They are all interlinked and they can all, the importance of each one of them varies depending on what we want to get out of a session and what we want to get out of that block in the season. So it's about tuning and dialing up certain elements of those key coaching skills. And if we have all of those in our toolbox and we're comfortable using all of them, then, then that's, that's, you know, that's only going to be beneficial for for us as coaches, but then most importantly, the participants that we that 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 we're coaching. Because, like I said at the start, if we've not got players to coach, we're not we can't call ourselves coaches. Um, so that's probably the biggest takeaway for me. Um, yourself? Um, probably. Uh, you've, you've, you've kind of we kind of had a good a broad understanding of the framework and how it could be used anyway from from sitting down and speaking to Bob, and you know that's why we we found it was a good area to kind of sort of cover but i think what what did sort of surprise me is each guest that we brought on is how much they covered each individual area um and in in a different way and and it just shows that there, there is no 
one size fits all is you, you can be unique in how you do things and you can sprinkle your own little bit of you on your sessions because that's that's what's going to make it your your session your environment your your building block so it's how you take bits of these information like um dan touched on about that he's openly admits that he's a he's a magpie he goes around and looks for the, the shiny things there's little bits that you can take away from each of these episodes but you've got to put your own stamp on it you've got to make it relevant to you and your personality traits like we spoke about with dan in season two but then also does it fit your players um and, and i don't think i was expecting as, as much of the alignment that we had in each of them as, as what we end up having um the most powerful one probably was 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 nigel's on communication i, I took a lot away from that chat with nigel because we went down a completely different rabbit hole than what i was generally expecting which was good because you know we, we just completely went down this different route oh. and, and took a lot away from it i can't remember much of neil's because i was that hungover to watch it again um, i think i think just on that i think we halfway through season two we decided we would change up how we how we'd interview our guests um, we were used to be quite structured. We had we'd send them questions and they would fill them out. But now it's we just it's like an all having a normal conversation, and that's what I've probably like, I've really enjoyed from this season is that we've gone down all these different rabbit holes. And a lot with Nigel's, we we just said, "Can you come on and talk about communication?" And that is so open, isn't it? That is like you, there's like so much you can talk around, and yet I've taken like, from all our guests, I've taken just loads and loads and I've probably filled up filled up a full notebook of all the notes that I've taken and my I feel like I'm back writing exams at school because my hand hurts after every single podcast yeah uh, well again with Nigel when I got in touch with him about coming on was he wasn't even when you ask about communication most people would have just gone any particular area <laughs> like, yeah, back on, back on. Yeah. and you know it was um it did, it just went down completely different things. And then obviously Mark's episode, I, I had a headache after we spoke to Mark because we, we we edited that down because we spoke to him for ages. And um, so I took so much away from that that I had to listen to that again and again. And, and I'm starting to implement that into <clears throat> sort of the development club squads that we've got here at the university with the three, fours and fives. I'm starting to implement some of that that we spoke about into our plan for when, when we start pre-season. So loads, loads to take away. I think it's definitely been... The most informative out of all the the seasons that we've had. I think there's a lot more that has come through here. Yes, one hundred one hundred percent, one hundred percent. We've had a question. Oh, oh, go on. Um, so it's from uh, Sam Shepherd. Um, great work, fellas. Uh, what are you both looking forward to most next season, and what are your goals? Oh, do you want to do you want to kick it off, Chris? Um, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to putting into practice some of the stuff that we spoke about with Mark around putting that, that training block together around the learning performance and then competition and what that actually looks like. And the, one of the, the things I like about working in the university is that there's a, every few years you've got a new group of players to work with. So, you know, you've got to change up, you've got to keep fresh, you've, you've got to, work with a new group again and you know we've 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 had a, a tough year this year in terms of the performance side of things so it's going to be a good opportunity for us to um kick on and, and, and improve things and bring the standards sort of back up to to what we want so i'm, I'm looking forward to sort of putting in some of this stuff getting getting coaching working with players and seeing players develop that's 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 the key but how many how many players can we get through to that that bsr level yeah i think for me it's quite similar um working within an ace college um, we've already started. Um, we've already planned out pre-season how that's going to look, but you know we've got a brand new cohort once again. So we lose fifty percent of our players every year, and we get a brand new fifty percent in. So just meeting the new the new intake, um, and then trying to get them as far as we can in the journey. So we've had a quite a successful year this last year, um, getting to our first ever race final, and then having and then having uh, four lads go on and sign. Um, five lads go on and sign um, contracts with with, with 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 top clubs. So, you know, going forward into next year, is that, can we can we match that? Can we get to an eighth final? Can we can we win the eighth final? That's what we want to do here at City Oxford College. But um, for me, on a personal level, like yeah, same as you, can I've learned a lot during this podcast. I've just finished my advanced coaching award. Like, can I go out and start to implement that with a brand new with a brand new cohort? That's what I think. That's what I'm I'm kind of most looking forward to. Um, at the end of the day, I, I like I like to coach because I like working with with people, um, 
and I was yeah, just get them out and meeting these new this, this new cohort and seeing how far, seeing where they where they go is is always a pleasure. Um, yeah, so we will be back for um, for, for season four um, back in uh, coming up in September, and um, we've got. We've already started planning that because we're prolific planners, Chris and I. So we're cracking on with that. We're already starting planning for that. Um, if you are listening to us on on Apple, Spotify, Google, make sure you give us a review. Reviews help us out massively. It really kind of spreads our our content and and puts us higher up the chain for for for, for this to get to as many grassroots coaches as we can, which is which is the aim. Um, but no, a big thank you from me. Yeah, yeah. No, it's been uh, it's been a great season. There's been a lot of stuff to take away from it. I've learned a lot. Hope everyone's learned a lot. But some really good feedback. Um, thank you to all the guests that have come on because without them, it, it wouldn't have been uh, possible. As well as to everyone that's listening, if you can uh, leave us a review and subscribe to the the channel on YouTube, that is always appreciated. We'll be back, as Harrison said, in September with uh, with season four, um, which again, hopefully, we'll we'll take it on that little bit further. So we will see you next time. Thank you. Cheers for listening. Don't forget to join in the discussion at Big Breakdown HQ on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram.